All right, welcome to the Good Rookies Podcast. My name is Fahim. My name is Nellie J, y'all, and we are Good Rookies. That's right. What's going on, everybody? Happy Good Tuesday to you all and folks. This is episode 32. 32. 32. 32. Time's flying, brethren. Time's flying. So, y'all, we have an epic guest on the podcast today. If you don't know, now you're going to know who he is, y'all. Fahim, please introduce who we got. All right. So, it's a privilege to have. <laughs> it's a privilege to have podcast host for the CFL and Rogers. Reporter and producer for Sportsnet content and columnist for Canadian Inter University Sport. Let's welcome Donovan Bennett to the podcast today. Donovan, Donovan. Okay, a couple Donovan. things. A couple things. Donovan. One, Donovan. Like, I, I feel like I should look around to see who you're introducing because you're bigging me up way too much. And two, when you said we're going to introduce our special guest. Who cares about me? We need to introduce your daughter. And that's a special <laughs> guest. That's the people. That's the person people want to hear from. But no, thank you so much uh, for having me. Um, and shout out to you being able to uh, to broadcast and parent at the same time. I'm struggling to do them both independently. You're doing both at the same time. Listen, man. Good rookies. We're all, we're a big family here. You know what I'm saying? So, folks, if y'all don't know, Fahim's a father, and his daughter Isla is going to be our fourth guest on the podcast. So, Isla, 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 Isla. So, so Donovan, first of all, you know we're both huge fans of yours. Like, you're definitely one of our leaders in the media, especially in Canada. And you know, us people that are black, we treasure you. Trust me, we treasure you a lot because real. Um, it's good to know that someone that has our voice and our story reporting. But one thing I don't think folks really know is that you used to play a little football back in the day, a little, little running back, little running back superstar there. And um, I went to Western, and you went to Western. So you're a Mustang. You're a fellow Mustang like me. Um, but what was your love for football? Like, what made you get into football? Was it, a, was, it, was it an athlete? Was it like you playing with your family? What got you into wanting to play football growing up? Yeah, it's a good question because, you know, I don't have the physique of a football player. So I don't know how wise of a choice it was. Um, yeah, I'm a, when I think of the word football, like it's, uh, you know, synonymous to family for, for me. Um, I come from a football family. You know, my, my father and uncles all played at, you know, varying degrees and levels. You know, every, um, you know, family event, every holiday, you know, there were certainly sports on TV. And if it was, you know, fall or winter, uh, it was football that was on the TV, mm. right? That would, would trump all things. And so, um, you know, I, I'm really lucky uh, that I was introduced to the game at a young age because I think a lot of the way I think my methodology comes from, from football culture, just, you know, trying things, you know, seeing if things work, you know, and if it doesn't work out, okay, we're going to punt, we're going to play some defense, and then we're going to try it again, right? And so, yeah. uh, you know, certainly that mentality I have in me. Um, and, and uh, you know, my best friends, my best opportunities in terms of my career, um, you know, even my, my, my wife have all been people who I've, I've met through the game. So oh, um, I'm blessed more than I deserve thanks to the game of football. It's not, it's not wow. perfect, but, but I love it. Y'all, so that was Donovan's love story to football, y'all. EP out soon. <laughs> 
for he football? would get into it. <laughs> Instead of love and basketball, it's football. Love and football. Love and football. Yeah, that's right, love and right, football. Right. Yep, yep. Um, well, you know, seeing that uh, you know you you have a strong uh, football background, I figured it's relevant to ask you about what do you think about the XFL CFL collaboration talks that's been happening right now. Yeah, I mean, listen. So when you know Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner of the CFL went uh in front of government you know uh, over a year ago and said listen this is the financial situation we're going to be in as a league if we you know don't play due to this pandemic and we don't get any support from the government um i think what we learned is those numbers were real right like he wasn't yeah. stepping when he was saying how dire the situation it might be and guess what there was no government support and there was no season so when you look at the xfl one thing that they have is they certainly have money. They have deep pockets, right? Got the rock. Um, the, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the rock right. brings money and he brings, you know, a little bit of brand awareness, right? Like, let's be clear. The rock on his own has more Twitter followers than the entire league combined. Add up all the teams, add up the league account. So you're talking about a league that needs to reinvent itself. It needs to, to make a connection to a young audience. Uh, and it needs an investment of cash. Well, well, who can do all those things? The Rock and and the branding of the XFL. So, I, I'm will be very interested to see you know how forceful this partnership is, whether it's a true merger it's, or if it's just some shared um, you know learnings and, and best practices. But either way, I think the CFL is in the business of aligning themselves with with other leagues that can help them. And like I think, what, like you mentioned, right? The Rock played in the CFL for what, maybe ten minutes. Not wasn't a long career he had, <laughs> but uh, he played in the CFL, which is awesome. The Rock has the most reach. I think he's the most popular social media star in the world. Yeah. Um, but I also think for the CFL, they they, they got to do something different, right? Like I know you're a podcaster for the CFL. I have friends who play in football in the CFL as well. But I feel the CFL is like they're at a plateau where in the smaller markets they do really really well. But like in the larger markets, like Toronto, it's not it's not as big as you would go in Saskatoon. Saskatoon, I went there. Yo, they're all about the Rough Riders. Okay, those guys do not play. But um, so my thing is that I think adding the XFL would be great. The only issue I'm seeing is the cross country because you know right now with the NBA, the Raps have to go to Tampa and play for a team that don't, a home team that don't even care about them. A home fan base don't care about them. So it's like, how are they going to be adjust this XFL CFL collaboration have to cross? borders with with the pandemic going on i feel like the talk will start but probably won't happen until like maybe the whole covid thing ends because i think that's the only issue is the you know the border crossing yeah well you're right about uh you know fans in saskatchewan and regina um you know in the prairies in general loving football i went on a radio show uh in regina and i was kind of waiting you know as, as they're you know getting to me and i was listening and they were like okay coming up next uh, we're going to take your calls on your favorite preseason moment of Riders football of all time. I was like, favorite preseason moment? <laughs> like, what are we talking about? But that's that's the types of discussions they're having in Saskatchewan, yeah, right? Because it's me. built in the fabric and the culture. But that's not the case everywhere, right? Like, mm -hmm. if there was Carabana in Saskatchewan, maybe they would maybe <laughs> be more interested in other things other than watching football on Saturdays all the time. But 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 I think, to your point, you know, the border is an issue right now because of COVID and because of the pandemic. So this isn't something that'll be imminent. And the XFL has said, listen, we're putting our upcoming season on pause until we figure out what this partnership with the CFL might be. And again, it, it, it could be a situation where, 
you know, are they partners in maybe sharing TV rights, whether it's a TV deal with the NFL or, or someone like CBS or a streaming partner like a Netflix or DAZN? Could they partner in that way? Could they partner in maybe just the winner of both leagues plays a championship game after the fact, like the breakup champion and the XFL champion, mm-hmm. or an all-star game back and forth. Or, yeah. you know, The Rock has his own line with Under Armour. Could they be partners in terms of merchandise and sales? So I think there's other ways that they could mm-hmm. partner in the short term other than putting 53 dudes on a flight and having them go to the United States and Facts. quarantine for two weeks. So, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Right. So there's definitely the bigger issue in regards to the down situation which is kind mm-hmm. of obvious, but of everything I've been hearing, I haven't, heard, I haven't heard the all-star format that you just mentioned. And to me, of everything I've been th- thrown out, that's one that I think uh, would really make sense because it's a good all-star. It, it's, it, that's a time where you get the best of best, um, you know, and it, it, that's where eyes are normally on. You know, Yes, I love you, hear you, girl. She doesn't like the All Stars. The Pro Bowl sucks. Football is not a sport where you can have an All Star game. So she doesn't pro like it, Sarah, which, which I get. Yeah, Pro Bowl does suck, though. That's for real. It does, but actually, it's the worst. But this is one <laughs> unique scenario where I think an All Star game might work because if you think about the best from two leagues, they're, they're trying to show and prove, maybe do I get that NFL contract that I'm looking for? But exactly. also in terms of both leagues, you want to say, no, no, my league, outside of the NFL, my league, CFL, XFL, is the best. So we really are invested in making sure we win. So, so I, I think, you know, um, it, it, that's a very unique uh, scenario where I think a football all-star game might work, other than like the bowl games or the senior bowl or whatnot. Um, right. I think it, it could work in the CFL and XFL. That's right. true because, I mean – for scouting purposes for the NFL, it could be used like, like that. Like, you know, the NBA Classic they have, like the McDonald's games, whatever they have in the States. But also one thing I found as well, which is funny, is that, so I used to ref like uh, intramural football uh, in the wintertime at Western, and those leagues were all CFL. And the CFL rules are not the same as NFL rules. So I'll be curious to know if they're going to try to like maybe change the rules to be part with XFL because I think it's also a thing is that the CFL likes its own rules, right? Like, I don't know if they're going to change it ever, but hey, if they're going to give them more money, I think any rule could be changed in CFL at this For point. Sure, right? <laughs> exactly. So, that, and it's a great point. And, and when you look at the XFL fields, the footprint of them is not big enough to have, you know, 110-yard field and 20-yard mm-hmm. end zones. And, and, and forget about the length, right? The width is also an, an, an issue, having the fields being that much wider. So, so that certainly, you know, would have to be negotiated. Um, but, but even when you talk about the three-down game, which I think is the superior style of football, the unlimited motion and everything, the NFL game, the American game, is starting to become more and more like the CFL game, right? Back. Patrick Mahomes is doing things that, that Warren Moon did back in the day in the CFL. So I, I, I think that because of the spread offense and the, the amount of people are, are passing on early downs, and it's not just, you know, for the first two downs, we're, we're going to run it all of the time, um, which hurts my heart to say as a former running back. Um, I, I think either way, some, the, the CFL game is exciting, but if they move to, to four downs, it wouldn't be the end of the world. I mean, listen, this is the, the, this is the fact of the matter. Everyone who says, I, I, I love the CFL game, I love, you know, the, the rules and whatnot. And it's the only reason why I watch. Well, if more people were watching, we wouldn't be in this conversation, right? <laughs> so so, so something certainly has to change. 
And, and I think it, it, all those people from, from Regina that we mentioned that loved Ryder Green, <laughs> would they not love it if some of the rules were tweaked? I, I, I think they still would. I, I don't know, again, if, if how imminent that would be, but I don't think it's the end-all be-all in these types of conversations. You know what? And, like, for me, it's <laughs> where the money reside, where the money reside, where the money reside. CFL is going to do whatever it needs to do to get that money so you can't hit on it no matter what. <laughs> All right, y'all. So the WNBA, Fahim, now some big changes happened this offseason. Um, the Atlanta Dream got some new ownership. Kelly, goodbye, Kelly. And Renee Montgomery, who played in the WNBA for 11 years. She's won two championships with the, um, with the Lynx. Now she's a, a VP, the first black or the first, I think, ex-WNBA player to be executive of vice president as well now a part owner of a team. So Donovan, um, what's your thoughts on that entire scenario where they had Kelly in there that was opposing racial justice issues and now she's out and we got some better ownership in Atlanta? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, this phrase has been used a lot in reference to NBA players, the player empowerment era. And I think it's overused, right? Like, because not all players have that much power, right? LeBron certainly has a lot of power. But if, if Chris Boucher was like, listen, I think we need to do this, this, and this, people would be like, Chris, I think you need to spot up in the corner and hit threes, right? But, but, but what I do think is important, as good as what the NBA players did in the bubble, we need to give uh, our women their flowers when they're around to smell them. The WNBA players have been woke since the inception of the league. They've never been asleep on these issues. And so um, what we learned was that this is not a player empowerment era for the WNBA. Those players always empowered themselves so much so that you can make an, a real argument and it wouldn't be um, stretching to say that they helped flip Georgia, right? That the literal politics and, and how they, they are and the, and the runoff that we saw in the Senate is because of what the women did. They, they took their mess and they made it their message. They had an owner who, and, and for me, that term is somewhat problematic, owner, um, of, of, of these players basically saying, I don't want your politics to be involved. I own the team and these are my politics. And they're like, okay, cool. You know what we're going to do? We're, we're going we to ride for your opponent and we're going to show you how powerful we really are. And it's just an amazing, amazing turn of events that Renee Montgomery, as you mentioned, who was a player, who was having, you know, Kelly sign her checks and cash them. Mm-hmm didn't worry about the fact that it might mess up her personal money. She did what was right. And in fact, in her WNBA career, many times she put the activism before her career, yep. right? And now she's transitioned out of her career and that activism allowed her to now be the owner, to now write the checks, to now have real equity. So, you know, sometimes we let the money cloud, you know, our, our judgment. And I, I think the WNBA women and Renee is a great example of, Sometimes that, that real clear conscience and that judgment, let that be your brand and let that lead you to, to where you're supposed to be. And, and if you're doing it for the right reasons, that, that money will find you. In agreement. I think the WNBA, like, I think you mentioned a, an article about, you know, how the, the NFL pre-ceremony was performative. I think the NBA bubble was performative. I think if, if the bubble to me was just something they had to do because players were 
protesting. They were out there and they didn't really want to play. So like, you know what, guys, we'll put what you're saying out there in the bubble to, to have you guys come play with us and make us a lot of money. But I feel WNBA has been consistent in and out every season, even, even from when um, um, that young king that got shot in Florida. They've been, they've been doing these things from day one, and they've been about the movement and activism. We've seen um, more. She left, Maya Moore left WNBA to help um, a gentleman who's her husband um, fight injustices. So these women are neither flowers, like you said today, and I'm so honored to see that we're seeing now that they're actually being more involved in ownership and who is involved in writing those checks. Like, cause I think that's also important. And I hope the NBA players are taking notice of what they're doing in the WNBA because they're the great example for every other league following for sure. Um, not only just the NBA players are taking notice, but I think everyone should take notice. You know, in basketball, we talk about minor or not just in sports period, we talk about minority ownership. Uh, you know, in basketball, we say Michael Jordan, but outside of Jordan, you're, you may be uh, the King's owner. He's a minority, uh, uh, like he's a, a minority. So, uh, but I mean, in, in, I think just in sports period, uh, we need to really champion when we have minority owners. And for as big as this is, this does not seem like it's really getting any traction with people to like to, uh, it's, you know, this is something that should really be celebrated, especially during International Women's Month. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, this is something that should be, a fourth, I think, a, a top priority story, and it's really not. So it's kind of speaking to, I think, a bigger issue that we're having in regards to, um, forget the gender, but just even uh, the league itself and the, the kind of the respect the league is getting. Yeah, we've got, you know, Vivek Renadive, you know, owning the Kings, Shad Khan owning the Jaguars, Kim Pagula, you know, uh, you know, her her family um, owns the, the Bills, but but it's it's the exception, certainly not close to the rule. Um, and you know, we want to change that dynamic where you know that acumen uh, can be found on the court or on the field, but it can't necessarily be found in the boardroom, in the executive suite, the C suites, and and in this case, ownership of the teams. And I I really thought it would have sent a great message when, um, you know, the Carolina Panthers' ownership changed uh, because of Jerry Richardson's very problematic um, behavior within the organization. And I thought he was problematic from time, um, not just the fact that he made them put a statue of himself outside his own stadium, um, <laughs> which, is, which is somewhat narcissistic, but the fact that he told Cam Newton after he drafted him, well, well, you're not going to go and get any tattoos, are you? Like, you're just going to be like the clean-cut black guy, right? You can play quarterback for me, that's the case. But if you're going to be tatted up, like, no, no, we're not having that over here. I, I, that, to me, was, was problematic because he was exerting a, his power in a way that was somewhat unnecessary. But at that time when Diddy said, I want in on some ownership, and Steph Curry said, count me in, I thought it would have been a great move for the NFL to say, you know what? We're going to empower uh, some diverse candidates to run some teams. And as much as we have the Rooney Rule, we talk about coaching and why those numbers literally have not changed since the Rooney's Rule's inception. You can put all types of quotas you want in place, all types of measures. What you need to change is the people making the decision, right? And if we're talking about the Carolina Panthers, their new ownership group um, hired a, a, a guy out of college. And in the press conference, one of the things he said as to why he hired him was, he reminds me of myself. We did some similar things in life. I, I see a younger version of me in him. And yeah, you're, you're white. 
So you went and hired someone who reminds you of yourself who's white. And so that's part of the problem. And I think with conversations like this, hopefully we can change. I want to shout out a, a, a kind of slept on NFL owner. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons have a minority owner in Warwick Dunn, mm. running back for them. And uh, so that's even a story that I think we should really be celebrating also because he was a player. He literally went from you know, the field to the office, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he stepped it up. So uh, that's an owner that, um, you know, if one hasn't, we should keep him in the conversations also. Uh, Donovan, I just want to, on, on the way, I just want to have a train of thought. I'm going to run it by you real quickly. Let, let me know yeah. what you think. Okay. So um, in, there's certain, there's difference between like uh, standard and regulation in basketball. So um, for instance, uh, the three point line, yeah, the high school three-point line is different than college. College is different than the NBA in Europe. So those things are I consider standards, right? Depending on the game. Some things are regulation. For instance, the 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 ground to the 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 hoop, it's always 10 feet. That's regulation. Um the ball, uh, you know, like uh the rim. Two two balls in one rim, that's regulation. So here's kind of my train of thought. Um, there's three different types of ball. There's a size five, which is used for like kids, you know, three, four, five, six, seven. You know, you're lucky if it's like they could travel and no one really cares. You know, Sunday morning watching your kid. There's a size six ball. Once, uh, once they get to age nine to age 12, they graduate to a size six ball. Once they, then there's a size seven ball, which is what the, rim is actually designed for the two balls to one rim and that size seven ball uh once a, a boy once he gets to 13 years old he graduates and they say okay you know what no more the size six ball and they hand him a size seven ball a regulation ball unfortunately for women or girls they never graduate the female game is always stuck at size six so my train of thought is this uh you have women professional athletes who train, uh, they should be, I think, should be seen as equals. Um, but when you have the WNBA, they're using a size six ball on a size seven rim. And for me personally, I think it kind of, it hurts the credibility of the game due to the fact that using a smaller ball on a bigger rim, you don't need to be a math major to know that you have more space for the ball to go in. And it's just not regulation. So my, what I'm going to throw to you is, um, you know, what, what's your thoughts of women using an un, like the game being unregulated, being a size six ball designed for a size seven rim? Yeah, so I hadn't thought of it, to be honest. And, you know, as you were, you know, breaking it down and going through you know, the different levels. And I was just thinking, man, I still need a Nerf ball to, to make sure my <laughs> jumper is wet. So uh, give me a smaller ball for sure. But it's, it's funny, like if we apply this differently, you know, Im imagine watching women's hockey with a smaller puck, right? Like exactly. it would just seem odd, right? Like it just right. it would seem odd. And the, the funny thing is, especially when we're talking about, you know, young girls and, you know, feeding their appetite and sport and what they need, um, and their confidence and not limiting themselves. It's tough to give them that message, but then here's a smaller ball, right? right? So 
you're going to play and listen, you can have a run on the, on the street or, or at your school with your, you know, boys and girls. You can play with your, your, your little or older brother, right, and get in. But you're going to play in those games, you know, in the schoolyard with his one ball, and then you're going to play your regulation games with another ball. It, it, that part of it. That happened um, to me growing up because I had three brothers and we would play basketball with their ball. But then for my basketball team, I'm playing with a little, little ball, right? So I was like, right. What's, why am I playing with a small ball for school? Right. It was right. Yeah. So, I, so you know, I, what, I, what I don't want to do is impose, like, my sensibilities on women. Say, like, you should play with this ball. You should play with that ball. I would love to hear from them on what their preference is. Right. There's also been, like, this conversation among guys. It's like – a lower the rims so that women can dunk like dunking is the best part and it's like okay yeah, yeah. Um, like when's the last time you saw steph curry dunk in a game like he's right the, the yeah one player i would pay my money to watch so it's right. it's not all about it's not all about right. that um but uh i would love to hear and, and i'm glad you brought up the topic because it's a blind spot for me something i hadn't thought of i'd love to hear from women what their perspectives are what, what their preference would be and and nelly as you said I mean, it sounds like for you personally it would be to play with the same regular ball, ball. yeah because me right. like i used to do ball, like in the summertime i play ball in the corner with, with with the neighborhood kids and we played a regular ball and then in school we play with a smaller ball and i struggled because i remember i'm like i'm used to the heavier ball to, to to throw up and score versus scoring with a lighter ball so i just think that if we're going to start equality i think for i don't think anyone would be like no keep the smaller ball i just think it's been a regulation that was probably made like years ago that hasn't been changed so I, i'm happy right. that fahim brought up this entire mind question i hope you know we can create more conversations about this and hope who knows maybe this can this can change the game and we'll see next year that the nba is having a larger ball like we'll see <laughs> well i, I think the only other example would be that i'm trying to think just going across is you know tennis you know at the majors women play fewer sets and my answer to that would be like, yeah, I would actually prefer the men played fewer sets. It, it, right. it may just to be honest, because uh, it's that 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 tension um, mm -hmm. earlier is, is is amazing. And and you know, some five setters, both guys are exhausted by the end, anyways. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not the greatest tennis. Um, but yeah, for the most part, that's not yeah. the case. There's I can, a lot I can of body checking maybe in women's hockey, but um, I I can give an example of uh, volleyball. They do mm -hmm. lower the the nets a bit in volleyball. Mm -hmm. um, but like I said, we're talking regulation and, you know, we have to, if we're going to approach, we have to be fair. Like, uh, okay. um, if, if it was like, if I was saying, oh, you know what, the three point line is, it's different. Then I think we're kind of splitting hairs on things. Right. But there's certain things when we're talking about regulation, I think I'm just mainly speaking, I'm a girl dad. I'm holding my daughter right now. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, like there's some things I have to tell my daughter, Hey, you know what? Like Santa Claus is not real. <laughs> and, uh, you know, unfortunately, you know, you won't be using a regulation ball. Like, that's just the facts. And I, I'm hoping I can live in a world where I could say, you know what? Yeah, you're female, but, you know, society doesn't think that you need, um, you can, you're it just as equal. If a boy can do it, you can do it also. Awesome. And on that, let's go to For the Culture. So we have to highlight individuals that's for the culture like yourself. And Donovan, you are a highlight today. So one thing about you, Donovan, that, which I love is that you mentioned something about um, your love for reporting because your perspective is based on empathy, curiosity, and understanding, being an athlete yourself. Um, so Shaq and other players be hard and be critical 
on current players. And I've seen reporters who are players that are a bit nicer. So how do you find that balance of reporting and being authentic, but also not being too hard where like you're kind of uh, making that player feel like they can't succeed in a league? Yeah, I mean, the main difference between me and Shaq, other than our size, is that he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. So as he would say, he has, he has G classification to, to say what he's saying. I, it, to me, I, when you say I'm an athlete, I would say I'm a former athlete. Like everyone with, with a body is still an athlete. But in terms of playing competitive sports, you know, I'm a former athlete. So I, I take with that the experience of being covered, and not certainly to the level that I'm covering athletes, but understanding what it's like when my quotes are taken out of context, understanding what it's like when you put everything into something and then people just show up, you know, at game time and feel like they know the entire picture, right? So that's, I think, where the empathy comes from. Like, I, I'm really reticent, unless it's something, you know, uh, terrible, to criticize a coach. Like, we would have these conversations about Dwayne Casey all the time. Where is Valanchunas in the fourth quarter? What's going on? So on and so forth. And, and I would always give my opinion because that's what I'm paid to do, but I would couch it with the fact that, listen, you know who an expert is on this? Dwayne Casey. He's watching the film all day. He's going to bed at night thinking about it. He's waking up thinking about it. Like, everyone is so upset at some of the decisions he makes. You know who's the most upset when they don't work out? Dwayne Casey, right? So this is his livelihood. So I'm not going to... Um, imagine that I'm going to know better than him. I may differ in my approach, right, in my perspective, and I can give my opinion, but ultimately, you know, I want to remember that these people who, are, who I'm covering, they're in it. Like, this is what they do. And similarly, if someone came along and was like, well, that's a dumb question, Donovan. Why don't you ask this? Or why don't you ask that? <laughs> I, I would be like, well, why don't you go get a journalism degree? And then come talk to me <laughs> about what a dumb question is. Yeah. And, and so I try to keep that in, in perspective. And, you know, I don't try to do gotcha questions. I'm not trying to, you know, put someone in, in a tough situation. I ultimately, I, I just like talking to people. I love talking mm -hmm. to you guys. I like talking to athletes. And so what, if I'm having a conversation, you know, at a house party when we're allowed to do those things, I would never try and outsmart someone or make them feel bad. I just want to learn more about them. And I, I look at my job as an interviewer the very same way. That's so good. And I think, I mean, um, if there's someone listening right now and they're the first black person in that industry, because I think you're like one of the first leaders in sports media in Canada, what would you give as an advice as being either the first or one of the black people in that office starting a new career in a brand new industry? What advice would you give that young black or person of color, king or queen, and how to start that new process of saying, hey, guys, I'm black, but... I'm, I'm more than being a black guy, you know, um, in that job. <laughs> yeah. So I would say two things. Um, I would say that it's a superpower, right? Like it's not something to be ashamed of. Like your diversity literally is a strength if you uh, use it appropriately. Now, I'm not saying on the first day on the job, you come into the office with a dashiki or some kente cloth, right? Like you don't have to lean into it that hard. But if that's you, I think embrace it because you provide something that is badly needed in our industry, that's badly needed in our world, that, that we need to, to oversteer for and compensate from. So your sensibilities, your, your, your thoughts, your, your experiences are important. They're valuable. You just have to figure out a way to leverage them. Um, but anything that's intrinsic to you, not just your race or ethnicity, if you're really great at math, you know, become a stats person, bring the numbers into it. 
Um, if you have encyclopedic knowledge, you know, you know, maybe it's a trivia aspect, whatever that is, right? For me, I love pop culture. So I work that into, you know, some of my work, whatever that is that makes you, you, you're a one of one that makes you a snowflake, lean into that because you're going to get to a point where they're like, oh, okay, you know what? We need a Fahim or we need a Nelly, right? Because no one else does what they do. No one else can bring that to the table because it's true. You are literally a one of one. And part of that, certainly if you're black or BIPOC is your ethnicity. So don't shy away from it. Don't try and conform and be someone else. Cause then what you're doing is you're being a lesser version of other people in the industry. And that's not providing any diversity whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So that's the one thing. I, and I would say, um, you know, as much as you may, you know, want to cover some race issues or, or, or be asked to, um, you know, make sure that you're doing it on your terms because what you don't want to be is put in the box is that's all you can do or that's your quota or that's your beat so if there's a story that you feel compelled to share or tell um th then do it and do do it well but 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 know that you're capable given your journalistic skills to tell lots of different stories you just happen to be applying it in this case to race but it could be about gender or could about be about you know the trade deadline whatever it is don't limit yourself because the industry at times will try to limit you for you right. i love that so well guys said. don't be in well a said. box and be diverse i think it's amazing because i think especially in toronto we are in the probably the most diverse city in the world we have all cultures races and creed religions and we we live together in peace so i feel like but our media does not reflect that right i mentioned it before so i'm really really happy that you shared your story because i think what you've experienced donovan is so unique to like the masses and i think it's great so uh. that's awesome and our next star y'all on the podcast today hi sir how are you <laughs> this is desmond Desmond is doing good. Desmond. Desmond. Can you say hi, Desmond? Desmond. No. Love it, love it, love it. I told you he's feisty. So what I wanted to ask you, Donovan, on our way out of For the Culture was this. One of your articles really touched my spirit. Because I'm also half Nigerian. And the article you wrote was about your jury's press conference incident, highlighting why we need diverse voices. And we talked about how, you know, Masai, yes, he's a black man. He's a president of a professional team. Um, and he's being asked about, will the Raptors solve gun violence? Like, legit, when I heard that question, I want to fling my phone because <laughs> I was just like, why? Like, how can Masai solve all the issues in Toronto? And I've never even heard of any other professional president in any other, like, league or country or anywhere being asked, hey, will your team be solving gun violence? Like, how upset were you? Because I feel like article was very articulate, but like real, real talk, Donovan, how'd you feel when you heard that question? <laughs> yeah, so as, as you hear, my son, uh, he was vexed. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I was vexed as well. Um, and like, here's the thing. Um, he's being asked to be a star in his role, right? Deliver the first championship in the history of the organization when for the most of their history, they were not very good. You've done it. You reached the mountaintop. Then you have faced your own uh, bit of uh, injustice, uh, you know, in terms of your interaction with the police. Oh, and then by the way, you have to solve this thing that even our paid politicians can't solve. And at the same time, uh, not not only uh, are you being asked to do it, none of your white counterparts are being asked to do it. Whether it's you know uh, 
Kyle Dubis and Brendan Chan at the Leafs, um, you, you know, or even if in his own organization, Nick Nurse um, or, or Bobby Webster, all those guys had press availability. None of them were asked about black crime specifically. And, I, you know, as Kayla Gray, you know, said to me, um, you know, when white people commit crimes, we just call it crime. We don't have to put a label on it. Right. Uh, and and so, so the thing is, there's this whataboutism. You're doing this great work. You're, you're making sure that people know through your platform that Black Lives Matter. But then also you have to fix the crime, which is a nuanced issue that is systemic, certainly. Um, and, oh, and also like do your job and win a championship and then oh. you know, give, <laughs> give people in the continent of Africa opportunity through the game of basketball. Oh yeah, death of Africa oh, too. Yeah, do, do, and, do like... And, and, and be a father to two young children. So, you know, that, that was my frustration is that it's, it's unfortunately never enough uh, when you are uh, a person of color, a star in your role. There's a what about ism of, okay, well, well, Black Lives Matter, but, but what about crime? Well, well you, you fix crime, but what about healthcare? Like, you know, the, even, you know, our, our first black president, you know, Barack Obama, all he did, the question was, well, well, well what about this? You care about this community, but what about this? And so that was the frustration that even uh, Maasai felt that as well. Yeah, no, great right. article, guys. Read it. It was very briefly written. I know if I wrote the article, I'd have been like, this mother, I can't, I would have been so out of pocket. But thank you for speaking on behalf of us because I think our allies and the ones who of privilege that weren't aware of why we were so upset, I'm happy that you're able to kind of communicate, you know, that, that story for sure. Right. My pleasure. All right, and that was episode 32. 32, y'all. So, folks, as y'all know, we had Donovan Bennett on the podcast today. Donovan, we like to give our amazing guests like yourself a chance to do a shout-out. So the floor is yours. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, a shout-out. Uh, I, <laughs> I feel so unprepared. Um, it could be family, it could be co-host, it could be a show you have coming out, producing just now, the Sportsnet, could be anything. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll, I will shout out, uh, I'll shout out uh, my wife, uh, who's nice. watching that's my a, young son. That's uh, a good now, place to start, right? To do this, um, <laughs> so I will run and relieve her after this. And I'm going to shout out, um, you know, Sportsnet, Roger Sports and Media, and the content creators. We did an initiative uh, this February for Black History Month, mm -hmm. where we went directly to the community and allowed a bunch of Black freelance content creators, our platforms, our PR muscle, to tell the stories that they wanted to tell. They were really good. Um, and for me, Black History Month is not February. Black History Month is every month. So I encourage you to go and consume that content. Uh, just go to sportsnet.ca backslash, backslash uh, Black History Month, uh, where you can find all of that great work. Nice. Awesome. I actually peeped that content. It was really good. And I like that you guys were highlighting like stories from all over, like Olympics to community leaders. Like it was everything. So I thought it was really dope. So guys, check it out. Uh, we're going to have Donovan's information, his Twitter, is everything. Because I know Donovan was hot on Bachelor last night. The Bachelor finale. I saw you, Donovan. <laughs> yeah, that was a whole, that'll be a whole conversation we're going to have. <laughs> but definitely, um, my shout out today is for Donovan. Thank you for being on the podcast, Bert. Appreciate you coming on, speaking up, um, kind of educating us on what's happening in different parts of sports. So we appreciate that. My next shout out is for Drake, this man billboard number one number two number three he has three songs debuted on the billboard man's from toronto big up drake fahim nice nice <laughs> uh my shout outs real quick uh, i want to shout out norm powell 
for mm -hmm. securing the bag and getting his first shoe deal with N1. Nice. As we know, N1 mixtapes back in the day. <laughs> now he's got a shoe deal. Norm Powell has a shoe deal, so we got to celebrate that. Good job, um, Norm. Second <laughs> shout out. I want to shout out Donovan Bennett. I appreciate the time, uh, the realness you came in, had the conversation with us today. And um, I'm just going to simply ask him to shout out if I pass the baton. Uh, with that, uh, the ball situation we're talking about, maybe something that hasn't crossed your mind. Uh, you have, uh, you know, you have a bigger platform and you have access to WNBA players that you can maybe even run it by them. Maybe even not, you know, just run it by, just get some, get, just get a feeler for it and see if it has any traction in regards to uh, this whole gender ball situation. All right. I will. You give me some content uh, to, to go capture. So I appreciate that. And also shout out your daughter who is much better uh, at being quiet while you broadcast it than my son. <laughs> Um, so your parenting skills are all point. <laughs> Try my best. No, man. Well, all right. That, that was episode 32. Please like, comment, share with a friend, subscribe. We're on, we're on all platforms, y'all. You know where we at. That's right. That's good. Rookies <laughs> podcast, episode 32. And we out. Peace. Peace.